Welcome to episode 253 of the Rugby League Republic podcast with your hosts, Tish and Dr. T. In this episode, we check in on the first round of games in the 2021 Rugby League World Cup and much, much more. Join us as we build a Rugby League community for all. The Rugby League Republic podcast starts right now. All right, welcome to episode 253 of the Rugby League Republic podcast, where we aim to bring you the everyday fan's perspective on the greatest game of all, Rugby League. This is Rugby League for the people. I'm your co-host, Dr. T. Joining me is Tish. Tish, we have completed a few games already in the Rugby League World Cup. How have you <laughs> have you watched any games and... Uh, what do you think so far? Has it been living up to your very lofty expectations? Mm, well, Dr. T, I'm doing well, uh, but I don't think the Rugby League World Cup is doing as well as what I'm doing because, uh, yes, it was uh, – look, it's been an interesting tournament thus far. I think some some results that were, um, you know, that, that probably surprised a lot of people, uh, including myself. And then um, – but I think, uh, you know, I just – the latest game that I did – see and it was and it was and i'm going to be honest with you it wasn't one that i was planning to see but then you know i sort of turned it on i saw a bit of the play and i was actually hooked and that was uh png versus tonga um yes. you know it was actually quite a gripping game and look i don't know uh, i haven't gone through the statistics of the game to find out you know uh, in terms of match quality like errors and things like that but to me it was definitely a uh, I felt like uh, definitely like a, a high class game, right? I think definitely something that can stand out in any level of rugby league, including international and 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 state of origin and and mm. and like you know NRL finals. It was it was a high quality game, um, yeah. And and these two nations, um, particularly PNG, they were. I mean, I know they were the narrow losers in the end, but they gave it their all and yeah, it was, it was exciting, but I think that's been the highlight. I think, I think the rest of the matches, I mean, there've been some competitive efforts from a couple of teams, but I think overall, um, I think, I think some of the games, I actually expected them to be a lot closer. Yeah, I, I have to agree. Um, there's been quite a few blowouts, uh, quite a few things to come out of that. And, you know, spoiler alert, we are going to talk about Tonga and PNG later in the podcast anyway in more depth because there definitely is a lot to talk about there and then there's a couple other games where there's a lot to talk about but without any further ado uh let's launch into tackle number one where we give a bit of an update on the world of rugby league news here we go tackle number one All right, Tish. You said that you weren't, uh, you you know, you weren't feeling as great as <laughs> as you were expecting. One person who's feeling a little bit worse for wear than compared to you is Desi Hasler from the Seagulls, mm. who hours after we <laughs> we recorded our last podcast last week, uh, talking about what's going to happen with Desi Hasler, 
uh, hours later, the news came out that uh, Manly sacked him basically as their head coach. Uh, I didn't expect it to happen that soon, to be honest. Mm. I thought there was going to be a bit of back and forth, a bit of, you know, testing the market. Maybe there was going to be some rumours around, you know, whatever. But the fact that it happened that soon uh, was a real shock to me. Um, and then, you know, what's come out of that as well is uh, Anthony Seabold has been named head coach for I don't know how long, but um, there's, yeah, so that, that uh, the, there's, uh, I think it's fair to say there's been mixed reviews about Anthony Seabold's, uh, you know, I guess uh, prospects as, uh, as the coach of Manly. I think some people were thinking, you know, he didn't really do that well at the Broncos. Um, some of the Broncos old boys have come out, Steve Renoff being one of them, and blasted Anthony Seabold and saying, good luck, Manly, because he, he was a dud at the Broncos, uh, you know, talking over players' uh, players' heads, really confusing, not really good man manager, all sorts of stuff have come out in the media since that news that Des Hazard got sacked, you know. So Manly has moved on <laughs> very quickly, and, and it's – look – there's so much drama just around mm. him getting sacked, but also Anthony Seabold joining and all that sort of stuff. It's, uh, it's, you know, you'd almost be forgiven for forgetting that this is a World Cup <laughs> going on. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like it's like drama, drama, drama. It's just like Real Housewives of Manly. You know, it's a bit, it's a mm. bit like that. Uh, ridiculous. What do you think about the uh, this whole saga? Yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's crazy. Can I say this? Um, because like, when they didn't in twenty twenty one? Didn't they make the NRL uh, finals? <laughs> right, and they did, and they did all right. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, they've got or regular origin players. I think everybody sort of looks up to Dez. People are talking about, you know, what a what a coaching genius has been, being able to take some of, you know, there have been people that have been journeyman NRL players who've not made it in other clubs, and then they go to Manly and, you know, he's turned it around. And then also, I think also Manly has had, um, you know, the Tavorovic brothers, all three of them, um, you know, a couple of other local juniors have sort of stepped in as well. So, yeah, it's a bit perplexing how everything's going. I think this is like still out of the fallout of the uh, Rainbow Gate affair <laughs> that happened with the jersey. And I think apparently the club was not too happy about, you know, the, you know, the press conferences that Des had and some of the things he said, taking a shot at management. Um, you know, during that, and that's what's been the the instigator of everything. And I can't remember actually what he said, but I, I don't feel it was. Uh, I don't think I don't think there was anything that stood out to me. Going, oh my god, look at him bag out Manly. Like you know, I think it was. He was just you know, and he was the only person from Manly speaking. Um, you know, that was not a, a football player about the whole incident. So yeah, I'm just a little little crazy about that whole situation. On top of all of that, yeah, you bring in Anthony Seabold and. And you're bringing in Anthony Seabold, and you're bringing in uh, what I heard today. Sure, uh, was it Shane Flanagan as the assistant to Anthony Seabold? Right. So former <laughs> premier, former premiership winner, a winning coach, Shane Flanagan is now the assistant of Anthony Seabold, who has not whose last whose last 
foray in the NRL coaching, um, it's fair to say, was not successful, right? Um, and I think Laurie Daly is going to be in there too. I heard something like super crazy. I don't know if it's true or not, but Anthony Seabold, he's, uh, even though he hasn't been officially appointed yet, apparently he's <laughs> he is calling all of Des Hazel's support staff and actually firing them. <laughs> I don't think it, is this 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 cannot be real, Doctor T. Is this real or is this fantasy? I feel like, uh, um, uh, like yeah, is this is this actually going on or or what? Like it's it's sort of it's really bizarre, isn't it? And uh, I think also Des Hasler. This is what, this is the other thing I heard. Is suing the club for one million dollars. Um, wow. <laughs> Like I just I don't know what to say. I mean, it happened. Well, no, it's, <laughs> he's got the legal bug. Yeah, he does. He does. So I mean, who's his lawyer? Like, is it going to be like, uh, you know, the guy who plays Rake on the TV show? I, I don't know. Like, what? <laughs> yeah. oh my goodness! Wow. I mean, yeah, I don't know what to say. <laughs> it's hilarious. But look, good luck to Desi. I mean, he could yep. always. He could always, uh, you know, take up a job as a carpenter to fix up all the broken doors over the years. <laughs> you know, he's got to – surely he can give back to the, the community of, uh, you know. Anyway, um, look, let's see what happens. Wait and see. The saga continues, as they say. Um, the next bit of news is, uh, again, with coaching, Michael Maguire, coach of – former coach of the Tigers, current New Zealand Kiwis coach – uh, has returned to the NRL, but not in a head coaching capacity. He will be a senior NRL consultant for the next two years for, drumroll, the Canberra Raiders, which is very interesting because uh, this is someone who's had, you know, quite a bit of success uh, and, and he's going, going to work for... Um, you know, work with, work for, I'm not really sure, Ricky Stewart at the Raiders. What do you think of that? Yeah, well, um, they're old pals. Um, a lot of people may not remember, but Michael Maguire did play for the Canberra Raiders. Uh, I think he played 11 first-grade games for Canberra, uh, but he was sort of injured in the golden era as well. Um, yeah. So they go they go back a long way. And uh, I actually did hear uh, Laurie Daly talk about how um, – you know, um, him and Ricky Stewart, they had a bit of a beer and he talked about Michael Maguire and then he called Madge and they sort of worked things out and everything like that. So I think it – look, I, I think – well done, Michael Maguire. I think he needs to be in rugby league. He he has something to offer. I mean, he has made it to one one grand final and he has won that grand final. So, you know, he's a grand final premiership winning coach, both in the NRL and Super League. And I think – uh, I think you've made that point as well, Dossati, that he's one of these coaches that can take a good team to the finals and get them to win. So I think all that is good. Um, but if we go at the worst-case scenario, we know this, the Michael Maguire, he did lose he did lose the locker room a little bit at the West Tigers. And I think there's reports that something similar happened at South Sydney too, uh, which is why they got rid of him. So... Michael Maguire, not really the man-manager coach out there, right? And then you've got Ricky Stewart, who is uh, who is not the best coach when it comes to players' wives and girlfriends. So now you've got the magic combination of losing the locker room and their wives <laughs> at the 
Canberra Raiders, right? And and opposing players as well, who we who he considers weak gutter dogs. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So basically, if you want the coaching staff that is going to alienate everyone, yeah. the only thing you need is to add Craig Bellamy to this, <laughs> and then <laughs> you've got the perfect trifecta of, uh, you know. No, nah, they're not. They're not necessarily hated coaches, but geez, they're grumpy. I mean, you know, mm. well, maybe Maguire not not so much, but yeah, uh, grumpy coaches galore. But um, look, yeah, you're right. They they did work together in the past, so they know each other. And for whatever reason, Maguire thinks uh, he can work under Ricky Stewart as the head coach, um, which just shows the level of respect that he has for Ricky as a head coach. I mean, he's not. I don't think he's going to be the type of player uh, person that will try and usurp Ricky's uh, authority. I think he's just going to play what you know. Work well and and collegially, I think, with within that ranks. But I think uh, the issue about you know losing the locker room at the Tigers. I mean, which coach has not lost the locker room at the Tigers in the last mm. twenty years? It seems like every single coach has had a major <laughs> issue there with their players. So yeah, I think maybe the issue is the players rather than the coaches. But yeah, that's well, probably well, look, another I, time. I, I think it's actually a practical issue. What happens is that every time they've had to change a coach at the West Tigers, they've had to change the locker room keys. And as a result, <laughs> there's been so many keys like lost and replaced that eventually the new coach loses the locker room. Exactly, exactly. But um, anyway, and look, just to finish off this uh, rugby league news world wrap-up, uh Trent Robertson has come out. So he's a current coach of France. A lot of people, and we'll talk about some of the coaches in a minute as well, the coaching matchups at the World Cup so far. Um, he's come out uh, and, and and basically said that, look, he's committed to a, a long-term kind of plan for France Rugby League, not just sticking around for this World Cup and then leaving. He's actually committed to staying there for four years so that they, they really build for the 2025 World Cup the next one. Uh, so that will be, that's a really good news. I think if you're a fan of international rugby league or France, um, because uh, someone of the caliber of Trent Robertson, a very well-respected NRL coach knows the game inside out, um, you know, has done, done very well at the Roosters over the years prior to this year was uh uh, the only coach, I think, uh, in the last, what, 20 years or so that managed to get back-to-back NRL premierships. So that's that's nothing to be sneezed at. Um, and, and yeah, so he, uh, there's, there's some news this week that Trent Robertson is, uh, yeah, uh, basically committed to uh, uh, doing what he can to share his knowledge with mm. the coaching staff and the current players there representing France at the World yeah. Cup uh, beyond this year. Tish, this is good news that we get yeah. good, high-quality coaches sticking around uh, and helping yeah. out the international minnows, so to speak. Absolutely. And I think, look, Trent Robinson, like, um, I'm not too sure what his connection with France is, but he's been definitely their advocate. He's been like a patron saint of of France. Well, he, he coached Cat- Catalans for a, for a while, didn't he? Mm. And he knows French apparently, so he's had he's got that connection. He's been there but before. Not sure yeah. if he's got family members as well, perhaps, or some sort of connection. But it, it, it's good because he he is he is trying to develop a you know a a forgotten nation of rugby league at times. And I think having, as you said, a an elite. Uh, coach like Trent Robinson is is I think fantastic, you know, and um, yeah, and um, yeah, it's kind of interesting how it's 
he's also the Roosters coach, right? Because I think like Roosters and like that doesn't the rugby union team have a Rooster connection too? So it's kind of well, kind of all... yeah, they they called the Chanticleers, which is like the Roosters. So mm. absolutely, uh, that's the connection mm. there. So, so yep. I'm just look. I don't look. We know about the Tonga Samoan rivalry out there, right? With with France, like you know. I'm guessing England would be the, its biggest rival, but um, yeah. you know what? What about like Italy and Greece? Like, would they would they also like would they be angry at this news that the French uh, have been able to snare Trent Robinson? Well, I mean, look, put it this way: France is rising again, uh, like the phoenix of roosters. <laughs> no, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> they, but you know, they've got two teams in the UK Super League. Hmm. at the moment and have had a lot of success with uh, the Catalans, Dragons, and uh, what's the other team? Toulouse, Olympic Toulouse. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, and uh, look, that's I guess that's the thing, that when you've got that level of exposure and an increasing presence in France, you've got to make it happen at the international level. Otherwise, it's just... You know, it, it's it's going to be very difficult for for you to grow the game there, and I think that's what they need. They need a strong France side to counterbalance the English side, and uh, and and to make a fist of it compared to some of the other rising nations there. Uh, and let's not forget, France is not as reliant on NRL uh, players or players with heritage. Uh, such as like Italy and, you know, even you can argue Scotland and Ireland um, and Greece, really. Mm. So really France is kind of trying to be homegrown talent, that kind of thing. And I think someone like Trent Robinson is is the right man to kind of uh, impart his wisdom in such a way that it sticks rather than it's he's just there for one tournament and that's it. Like th- this is about sustainable growth. Mm. Uh, of the game uh, at the highest level in France. And I think that's a, it's a really good thing. But look, speaking of <laughs> rugby league internationally, <laughs> there is a rugby league world cup going on. So we may yeah. as well talk about it. Let's Here we go. Tackle number yeah. two, the latest results. All right, so, so far we have had seven games. Uh, almost all of the group games have finished. As At the time of, uh, uh, of us speaking, we still are waiting for Wales versus... So tomorrow morning we're going to have the final, I think it's Group D fixture, Wales and Cook Islands. Um, but for now we've had seven of the eight games in, I guess, round one, uh, you could call it, of the group stage. So uh, it started off with a, well, rugby league typically shooting itself in the foot with uh, a delayed start to the first game due to technical issues. I think there was a blackout or or some other things that were going on there uh, in the England versus Samoa game first up. Um, But once they got that rectified, there was a bit of a delay. They got it rectified. And what we saw was an absolute annihilation. England 60 Samoa at six, and I think it's fair to say no one expected that at all. Um, least of all us, we tipped Samoa, and you know the likes of Phil Gould was saying that there's no way England would even beat Samoa, given that on paper Samoa is exceptionally strong. Well, they proved that wrong, and we are going to spotlight that game uh, next in the next tackle. 
but uh, so we're going to talk more about it. The next game was Australia versus Fiji, 42 to 8. Australia defeated Fiji. Uh, you know, Fiji made a bit of a, a fist of it for a bit. They were very competitive, but uh, Australia ran away with it at the end. Uh, and uh, and yeah, so let, let's very quickly. Uh, did you have? Did you catch that game? What were your kind of key takeaways out of the Australia Fiji match? Well, I think. Uh, well, firstly, uh, Australia. I think they they played well. It was great to see Latrell Mitchell scoring at the end, and I think he actually got emotional right at the end when the two teams were sort of embracing. Um, in that sort of traditional Fijian prayer, or, or, or which I think it is, but I'm not 100%. But I thought that was fantastic. And then I think also, um, yeah, look, the combinations, Australia starting to figure out what their final squad is going to be, it's good. On the Fijian side of things, um, you know, they, they, they don't have a very uncom- they don't have a very complicated game, and they try to think they kept things basic and simple and try to keep it as tight as it was. And you know, they, were, they scored the first try. They also bombed a try um, that would have had them sort of near, like, leading halftime. And I think for the most part, they sort of kept things strong. And even at the end, they didn't let it – I mean, it blew out, but they did score a try right at the – I think it's in the 70th-odd minute. So I think they they, they held, a, held a good account of themselves. Um, but I think, you know, uh, as expected from Australia, right, you know, like being able to dominate – uh, even even a uh, a tier two nation. Absolutely. Uh, so the next game was Scotland and Italy. It was uh, the uh, Master Chef Jock Zonfrillo Cup because <laughs> <laughs> he, he's both Scottish and Italian. I think wow. um, it ended up with uh, look Italy twenty eight to four. It was never really in doubt. Uh, I think Scotland probably disappointed some people but i think like i said i i tipped italy because i figured they they have more nrl quality players uh and uh and definitely nathan brown uh represented you mean mean nathan brown and norelli (laughs) is that anyway nathan nathan brown the spaghetti (laughs) uh no no um no, look, uh, he yeah, look, he performed well, uh, but I think overall you've just got uh, a few more players that, that have a bit more NRL style uh, kind of play and hardened uh, sort of approach, um, and, and it was actually an entertaining game. I mean, I think the Italians really threw the ball around and they they performed very well. So uh, you know. I was pretty happy to see that scoreline. And, uh, yeah, I don't know if you caught that game. Do you have a, a key takeaway from that game? Uh, look, not really. Um, so I did see the highlights. It did look entertaining. But, um, yeah, I think both uh, what they're probably fighting for the second spot, both of these teams. And Italy got a slight chance of getting in there. Yeah, look, they're definitely on the front foot in terms of getting to those uh, quarterfinals. Um, Jamaica and Ireland was a another kind of flogging. It was mm. uh, forty eight points to two, was it? I think. Yeah. Um, and uh, so yeah, disappointing. I think for Jamaica, but you know, cool runnings, man. That's uh, that's what it's all about. <laughs> yeah. They uh, no no look they, you know, their first hit out really at at a World Cup. Um, mm. 
I don't know how they'll go against the other teams in this in this uh, group, but we'll see. But I think, yeah, Ireland definitely uh, under the guys, under the tutelage, under the leadership of Luke, the great Luke Keary, yeah, uh, will go very far, I think, in this tournament uh, uh, based on what we've seen. So, uh, yeah, look, do you have any quick takeaways from that game? Yeah, look, uh, no, no, I did see a couple of amazing um, uh, plays by Luke Carey. And uh, I, I have this feeling Jamaica are going to warm up, warm into this tournament. Uh, perhaps their third pool game is going to be a really good effort. So um, I do see a bit of potential with some of their players. And, uh, you know, some NRL scouts are over there. Hopefully we might see some of these Jamaican players in the NRL. Yeah, and look, compared to the – this is like a bobsled analogy. This is just the start, the run-up. They haven't really hit their stride yet, but as you're saying, by the time they hit the last turn, yeah, they will uh, they will be within uh, you know within yeah. Olympic record speed. Right, um, right now they're still trying to communicate in Austrian, right? <laughs> that's right, that's right. Um, all right, the next game was a pretty good one. New Zealand thirty-four beating Lebanon twelve. There's some controversies and things that came out of that game as well, and mm. some. Highlights, but look, we're going to deep dive into it. But let me just ask, what's your high level uh, kind of view of that game? And and like I said, we're going to spotlight it later on. Well, New Zealand, um, I think impressive, like as expected. But I think Lebanon, yeah, really good account for themselves. And um, yeah, uh, I think they're building as well. Absolutely. Um, and. Uh, then we had France versus Greece. Uh, similar scoreline, in fact, exactly the same. 34 to 12, France over Greece. Again, to be expected, Greece are debutants here in the World Cup, but France, like I said, they're building. I think they're the quiet achievers in this tournament, maybe. that They'll slip through underneath and they might surprise people in the quarterfinals, but they're definitely on track to, to reach in the quarterfinals. And I think they were impressive. They were quite solid. Um, did you catch any of this game and what were your views on France? Yeah, I was, I was actually surprised uh, France were able to win by that amount. Um, so it does show that the game is growing a bit in France as well, um, which is which is good to see. And I think a lot of these players now are playing in the English Super League, so I think that also helps with the two uh, French teams in there. So, um, yeah, but let's see how they go when they play some of the Pacific Island teams um, and, and and how they stack up. Yeah, absolutely. That's going to be the real test. Uh, and finally, the game that we just uh, saw overnight, Tonga uh, 24 defeating Papua New Guinea 18. Now, we are going to spotlight this definitely. I would agree with you, Tish. It's been the game of the, the tournament so far. Um, a lot to talk about, but... Look, my very quick impressions before we, we move on to the next discussion topic here is uh, I expect the Tonga to do a lot better <laughs> given how strong they've been in recent years. Uh, I also uh, was a bit surprised uh, given what we've seen recently in some of the test matches earlier in the year in during the international uh, round that... Uh, I was a bit surprised that, that Papua New Guinea were within a whisker of taking this one out and actually were dominant in many ways uh, over Tonga. So I think this is a, Tonga has to kind of dust off the cobwebs a little bit and get stuck into it. And I think this is probably a good hit out to have first up. Um, but they were oh so close to a, a, an upset loss 
to Papua New Guinea, who uh, have been biting at the heels of this top-tier uh, group for quite some time, although I don't know if Tonga would be entrenched in the top tier just yet. Uh, but, yeah, anyway, that's my quick views. But let's uh, – what about you? Do you have any quick views on Tonga v PNG uh, bef- ahead of us talking about it later? Yeah, uh, no, I think we'll we'll get into that a bit later, so, yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, look, and the other other thing I noticed is, uh, look, we had two games where there was battle of the NRL coaches or former NRL coaches. We had New Zealand-Lebanon with Michael Maguire versus Michael Checker, the mm. battle of the Michaels. Um, and Michael Checker, look, surprised us a little bit because I think Lebanon have done very well uh, in that game, even though New Zealand ran away with it. They were kind of within... Uh, you know, we, they had a fighting chance for a little while there until it got away from them. So well done to Michael Checker for bringing that team together uh, up against the team that really is ranked number one in the world. So, But, yeah, we'll talk about that later. And France versus Greece, Trent Robertson, France versus Steve Georgialis from Greece. So mm. interesting that there are two of the seven games so far have been, you know, matching the former NRL or current NRL coaches against each other. Uh, or in, in the case of Michael Checker, um, a Wallabies a former, rugby union coach, yeah. That's right, Wallabies rugby union coach. So there you go. So very interesting observation there. I wonder what's going to happen as we get to the tail end. How important will it be that you have a coach with a pedigree and uh, a winning record? That what what impact will that have on this tournament? Who knows? But definitely something to look out for. But without any further ado, let's jump into tackle number three, where we spotlight the England versus Samoa game. Here we go. All right. As I said, a complete demolition of Samoa at the hands of England. 60 points to six. Uh, and when you look at some of the stats, when you look at the basic first stat you look at, 10 tries to one, unbelievable. But then you go a little bit deeper. It was 18 to six <laughs> at half time. And really, you know, what, what really happened was the tail of the tape, the way I see it, is Samoa were in it but England were definitely ahead of the game and were were dominating them. Um, but it really wasn't until a critical sin binning of uh, Anthony Milford in the 62nd minute where the wheels completely fell apart for, for Samoa. Uh, having said that, it wasn't like as if he... Uh, he had contributed much to their game. In fact, if anything, he was a bit of a liability in defence. I think he had made some pretty crucial errors. And it, I, look, to be honest, he played very poorly up to that point anyway. Um, he was simbined uh, at the 62nd minute and there was a bloodbath that followed. Uh, 64th minute, it started 68th minute try, 70th, 73, 75, 79. It, it felt like every couple of minutes, uh, you know, it, there would have been more had they not taken their time with their conversions. I mean, it was it was just unbelievable. Elliot Whitehead scored a double. Dominic Young scored a double. Um, it was just, uh, you know, unbelievable, really. Um, and, again, 18-6 at halftime. So that means the second half score 
carry the one. Let me see. 42 nil. <laughs> so, you know, really it was more than a point a minute in the second half is – and I, I'm lost for words. The capitulation of Samoa, I think – I think a lot of people online, a lot of the pundits and, and analysts have turned on them, um, asking a few really key questions, which I will ask for you, uh, Tish, as I hand over. You know, what is the fallout for Samoa? Is, uh, you know, is Matt Parrish's uh, tenure as Samoa coach under threat, given what we saw, the pathetic display in the second half? Were the Johns brothers and Sonny Bill Williams right in offering their coaching assistance? So that's one side of it. The other side of it is, is it because England was just too good? Um, Tish, over to you. <laughs> which uh, which is it? Well, I think it's a bit of both. Uh, I think I think you got to – let's talk about England first before we rip into Samoa, right? So um, I, th- I think with England, I-, I think it was a great performance. It was – um, I don't think they expected to win by that amount. Um, so I think it I think it really shows that they've, uh, you know, so they came to play. They came, you know, it was the opening uh, match of the tournament. You know, it's their home tournament. And uh, they stepped up for the occasion and they handled the occasion well. I think we talked about this before the grand final, right? Like it's the team that can handle the occasion the best is the one that's going to come out on top. And I think in this case, it, England definitely did that. Um so I think that that's really good. And you could see the influence of having players both in the Super League and in the NRL for England, um, how that made a bit of a difference, um, you know, made a big difference actually with the way that they were doing it. Um, so I think, I think well done to England. I think across the board, I mean, there isn't really a performance that was bad. I think they worked really well together and they short, uh, scored some great tries. Um, you know, D- Dom Young from the Newcastle Knights, he did fantastic um, you know, scored a couple of really good tries and so forth. On the other hand, Samoa, and I think, woof, yeah, really, really tough, uh, you know, how, how they sort of went um, this time round. Um, I'm just having a look at trying to work out a couple of things about them. But overall, like, super disappointing, really. Um, a lot of people have hyped them up and built them up, and, you know, their squad... You know, without, you know, I, I can't, you know, I'm just unsure. Okay. I mean, they had at least five players that I can count that were in the NRL grand final. And uh, I think four of them were from the Panthers, right? The winning team. Um, I think this year they've had eight players playing in the state of origin. Um, and, you know, their entire team is is not just in the NRL, but they're actually NRL like their NRL players get picked every week for the NRL. They're not fringe players, right? The entire lineup is like that. Um, and they go out and then they get smashed 60 to 6. And the most disappointing thing is is the number of tries that sort of got came in uh, at the back of the game. Now, I understand that they had to play Sinbind. But, you know, we talk about this at the end of, end of the NRL when the, there are teams that are not got anything left to play for they sort of just uh you know the floodgates open um but the floodgates open for Samoa so where's the you know the Pacific pride we talk about like you know um yeah so I just think it's a 
the play the good news is all the players have this the tournament and they have the tournament they, they they've got a squad that is definitely a tier one squad on paper so they definitely have the talent it's just putting it together as an as a nation they just haven't been able to do that and you know and i think that's really disappointing so is that the coach i'm not i'm not sure um but definitely getting the best out of the players, it's it's good. Look, I think Matt Parrish, like he, if the scoreline was like, say, 24-18 or 24-12, even something like that, where England still won, but they but they sort of narrowly won, I think you could say, well, maybe that was bad coaching tactics that sort of led in the last try and so forth. But when it's 60-6, to six, I feel like, I think it's got to go beyond just the coach. I think it's got to. There's got to be some sort of responsibility on the players as well. Um, and this other thing happened to me, Doctor T, after thinking about this result, is that you sort of go back and you have a look. I think they played the Cook Islands earlier this year in a Pacific Test, if I'm not wrong. And the Cook Islands were quite impressive against them. Uh, then a couple of years ago, I remember them getting smashed by Fiji, 44 to 12, right? Something like that. Mm. And Thinking about Samoa over the years, they've always had top NRL talent, at least for the last five years. I mean, yes, they didn't have the key thing they did they were lacking was, you know, a, a great halves combination, but they have that now. But yet they've never been able to perform uh, at the international level. Like they haven't cracked it, have they? They've got the talent, but they just, it's the mindset that they don't have yet. That, that I, I don't know. Like, what do we do? Do we do? Did I need to book a session with Doctor Phil? Maybe is that is that what we're looking at here? <laughs> maybe um, Doctor Phil Gould uh, will will set them yeah. straight. But look, yeah, I think you're right. I think it boils down to discipline in mm. in the mentality. Mm. Um, on paper, <clears throat> you look at Jerome Luai, two-time uh, you know Premiership winner. Just outside him, he's got the Hammer Hamizo. You got Steve mm. Crichton. Isaac Tago, Brian Toll, Joseph Sawali'i. You know, he's got all those players that he's servicing. At halfback, he's got Anthony Milford, who's, you know, played the NRL before, so he's no stranger to kind of this level. Um, however, he was very disappointing, and I think they just didn't seem to have it together. And then you look at the forwards, you know, uh, captained by Junior Paulo, Josh Papali, uh, you know, you've got Jaden Sewer as well. On the bench, Spencer Lenu, Martin Taupau. You know, you've got – these are not no-name players. These are players who have played at the highest level mm. in the NRL and have performed well. Um, they just can't get it together. And I think it's to do with they, – they, they can play with passion and that gets you so far – but at this level, against a team that, you know, made the World Cup final last time around, has been growing in the game over there in England. Uh, you know, some young players have, have come through um, and and it's a pretty solid squad, England. Um, against that kind of calibre of opposition, you can't just play with natural talent alone. You've got to actually mm. have a bit of a clue in your coaching structure, in your game plan. It seemed they had none. And mm. once they fell behind after half time, I think they just dropped completely. 
Uh, it didn't happen straight away, though, which is what I'm saying. Like, there was a try scored initially, and then there was a good 10, 15 minutes or so of nothing. And then once Milford went off, the floodgates open, and mm-hmm. they kept staying open even after he came back because he was, again, he had a poor performance. So what's the solution? Well, I just wonder whether that whole saga, I guess, with uh, the drama with the, the Johns boys and uh, Sonny Bill Williams offering to coach, maybe they saw the writing on the wall. Maybe Matt Parrish really hasn't delivered and why should they persist with him? And it's a it's a wonder why they did. Um, and now I guess he's been found out <laughs> that he has really got no clue. Um, I mean, you know, for all we talk about as an Eels fan, how how dominant the Panthers were in the grand final, it wasn't 60 points to six. Yeah, exactly. You know? It was, uh, it was, you know, reasonable. <laughs> it wasn't like that. And so this is really a capitulation like this is a mental thing. And it's a, it's a, it starts and ends with the coach, I think. Well, yeah. the, pl- the players really, but yeah, the coach is, uh, what has he done to prepare them? Did he, uh, a lot of people are saying, well, did he, um, were there warm up games? No. Uh, so already they, they haven't been doing what the other teams have done. Was there any, uh, uh, did he did he send the players back to Samoa to connect with the people there so that they've got some sort of emotional connection with who they're representing? No, Tonga did that. Um, PNG did that. They had a one week camp before uh, in in Papua New Guinea before they uh, they set sail for England. And so th- again, it's about how do you manage this team of superstars who you know you just need something to for them to gel. Uh, but yeah, mm. disappointing. I'm hoping that they'll turn it around because uh, the only way is up at this point. <laughs> so, teach final words on this. Yeah, well, um, look, uh, they are missing one element to their team, which is yeah, you're right. They've got superstar backs, they've got superstar forwards, but I think they're they're missing a workhorse, a workhorse second rower. You know, a Gary Larson type that's going to make 50 tackles, that's going to be the unsung hero, right? Everybody's like a big Basham player up front. And um, that's why you've got Josh Alloy, uh, you know, Ioli, uh, Alloy, uh, you know, he's playing lock. He's usually a front roller, right? Because he's like, you know, hit the ball hard and smash everybody in, in, in like tackles. But, you know, the guys that are going to make the regular, you know, just your normal standard tackle, um, you know, uh, slow down the play, the ball, and you know, take it up. Be the be the link man. You know, the the sort of the quiet achiever, the one percenter. I don't think they have that, and I think if you if you think about it, they they sort of they were off their game because they weren't doing the one percents properly. You know, the extra efforts in attack and defense. So, yeah, and yeah, you're right. That's a mentality thing. It is a bit of a coach thing. Matt Parrish has been their coach since 2013. He has a 31.25, win ratio and only won five games in that time. And that's like playing teams like France and, uh, you know, the beaten teams like France and Fiji and Papua New Guinea. But all these teams actually have a better record. Like, you know, like, for example, like Fiji, he's played them three times and only won once, for example. So, yeah, yeah, yeah I, think, I think there is a change needed if they're going to make it to the next level. And uh, like like many NRL tales, it it normally starts off with the coach, right? Exactly. 
All right. Well, let's move on to Taco number four, where we're going to spotlight New Zealand versus Lebanon. All right. So New Zealand defeated Lebanon 34 points to 12. Uh, at Halliwell Jones Stadium in Warrington. It was a uh, similar, same scoreline <laughs> at halftime as the England Samoa game, 18 points to six, but a vastly different second half. Um, well, it ended up being, what, 16, sorry, what is it? 16 points to six in the second half. Six tries to two, uh, and and the, the highlight really was uh, a Joseph Manu you know, individually brilliant try in the 56th minute, which I think put uh, put everything to bed uh, to the point where not that long after <laughs> Adam Dewey, the 59th minute, uh, was sent off. He was sent off. He wasn't Simbin. He was sent off completely for uh, dissent, I think we found out later. Now, initially it looked like uh, the, the ref, I think it was Grant Atkins, was sending off Robbie Farah, the trainer, for some reason. But then he ended up pointing to Adam Dewey as well. It was a bit of confusion watching the game. What happened, we weren't really sure. But, um, but yeah, it's uh, not a very good end for Lebanon. They let emotion get the better of them. They let stupidity get the better of them. Uh, if it was dissent, if it was a comment to the referee, uh, even if it was innocu- as innocuous as it has been stated in the media, you just don't do that. You, you just got to get on with it, especially when you're still in the game. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, again, they, they kind of capitulated, but not in the same way as uh, as Samoa did. Um, and I have to say that they really started off with a bang because in the first minute, it's counted as zero minutes. Within one minute, Josh Mansell scored a try for Lebanon, which really kind of set, uh, you know, set the pulses going, set the heart rate going for the New Zealand Kiwis. Uh, but then they sort of steadied the ship a little later. Kenny Bromwich a couple of minutes later scored a try to even it up. So, look, Lebanon has the potential uh, to kind of scare a few teams if they can make it to the second round or to the quarterfinals, sorry. But a couple of questions out of this, Tish, apart from your general views on this game. Um is uh, after seeing this game, is it uh, fair to say that New Zealand is still fairly ranked as number one in the world? Uh, do you think they can win it based on what we've seen? And how close do you think Lebanon are to the top tier nations? Do you? Well, I think um, on Lebanon, look, I think there's a bit of confusion. Um, I think Dewey is going to be suspended for the next game um, against Samoa. Um, but I think there was confusion about what he actually said, and and even even like the quote apparently about what he said. I, I don't I don't know if it's the most scathing uh, thing in the world either, right? So, but let that be. It, it was there. Well, what did he say? I think he said, "Give us some calls." Yeah, or something like that. Yeah, with the expletive, right? So is that is that is that really like dissent or questioning the character of the referee? Like, is that? I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Or is he just frustrated? Mm-mm. So maybe an oversensitive referee, perhaps, uh, <laughs> in that, that game. But look, I, I think look, I think look, Lebanon had a great account for themselves, and you know, it's the classic 
uh, minnow, rugby league minnow strategy, right? We have a couple of NRL players. They're the ones that will do all the organization. Everybody else, just work, 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 you know? Make sure we don't miss the tackle. You know, if you if the desperation in defense that Lemonon showed, I thought was fantastic throughout the whole game, right? So they kind of knew that they that they didn't really have the talent to match. So they tried to out effort New Zealand, and then New Zealand were just too talented and too strong in the end to run away with it. Um, I think that any team that has Joseph Manu as fullback has got a chance of winning anything because he was absolutely sensational. And I think, I think definitely New Zealand still on paper look like a very strong team. I think they do have the ability to, to win the, the whole world cup. Are they the favorites? I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I think, I think what helps them is having a games like this with, with Lebanon having competitive games um, as they prepare to sort of go further in the tournament I think is going to be better preparation than perhaps what Australia and England might be facing in the next couple of games where they're going to play the minnow teams and not necessarily get a lot. So, yeah, and I think Lebanon, yeah, look, I think that they just, I mean, they've got three or four NRL players. I think the key to them is getting more NRL slash slip league experience along their team. And maybe that's what they need to focus on for the big four, uh, for the next four years. Um but, you know, Dewey and Moses are still quite young. I think Karaz showed some ability at fullback too. So I think they've got I think they've got the makings of a good spine um, already. So I think I think they could make a lot of strides um, until the next World Cup, whenever they played it. <laughs> exactly. All right, moving on to the next tackle. We're gonna spotlight, I guess, the game of the, the week or the game of the tournament so far. Tonga versus PG. Here we go. Tackle number five. All right. Tonga versus PNG. Uh, 24 to 18 was the final score. Again, it was 18-6 at halftime. So actually... Papua New Guinea won the second half 12-6 and were were on track to uh, to win the game, uh, or at least it was uh, it was even until the final try in the last few minutes uh, that that really put it to bed and and got Tonga ahead. But really, they were they were coming home strong. PNG uh, after you know being down 18-6 at halftime, um, some really interesting. You know, things to come out of this game. One was actually, well, despite the fact that they lost, there was a win for PNG. Um, their forward, Reese Martin, equaled and goal kicker, equaled the world uh, the world record streak of successive forty one successful try uh, uh, conversions. conversions. Wow! Uh, and successive, so forty one in a row. He's uh, currently got. Um, yeah, the equal of the world record. I think he has a he has not missed it, uh, had not missed one. So he potentially could become uh, the world record holder in the next game, uh, especially if he gets an easy conversion. Um, and that's a jointly held record at the moment with Jamie Ellis and Liam Finn. Uh, have to admit that's uh, you know not not <laughs> they would rather have not had that and rather have won that first game against mm. Tonga, who are very highly fancied. But I guess the questions I have for you, Tish, are around, uh, you know, Tonga 
I think Tamalolo didn't play. So, uh, you know, is that, you know, what role did that have in, in the in the game that Tonga played? But the big questions are, based on what you saw, are Tonga going to be a threat to the big three? Uh, and the other question, I guess, related to that is, how close are PNG to the to the big three? What do you think? Okay. Uh, I'll, look, uh, firstly, I'll go with PNG first. I, I uh, as I said, I, I did enjoy this game. I think PNG played really, really well. And I think, you know, if you look at, at their lineup, right, they've got a lot of players that play in Australia, whether they play in the NRL, play in the un, uh, you know, in the under tournaments, right? Um, they've got like you know Alex Johnston and Xavier Coates and you know players like that. Uh, in fact, I don't think Xavier Coates even played this game, right? Which is kind of interesting, but. Um, yeah, but they've got a pretty good lineup, like to begin with. And I think um, when I saw the try, the first try they made in the second half, uh, as I was watching, um, and it was really good, sort of offloading and running hard and things like this. I just realised that I, I felt that they've cracked the code. What I mean by that is that I think they've been they're one of these nations that have always been a really tough nation to play because of how hard hitting they are. And, and, and they sort of always give a good account of themselves, which, and that's why they've always, that, I don't think PNG is a team that's been uh, blown, blown off the park by another nation, right? Um, and I think by scoring that try with the late offloads, getting lots of post-contact meters and, and being able to play off their, off their running uh, with second phase play, like that was a really good try that they set up. And I thought, Wow, this is it. This is how PNG become a top tier nation if they if they sort of play more towards their strength here, which is run hard and get an offload away, right? And and it kept them competitive for the whole uh, game to the point whether they were able to score, equalize with about uh, what there was about thirteen minutes to go, and then obviously you know ten minutes later, uh, you know Tonga do need to seal it, but they scraped out of it. Now, for Tonga, I think, yes, I, th- I agree. I think I agree with you, Dr. T. They're still a T1 nation because uh, one thing about T1 nations is they could play poorly against a T2 and get away with a victory, and they were able to do that. Um, now, there are some things that need to change. Firstly, uh, they need Tamalolo <laughs> for the big games, <laughs> so make sure he's playing. Second thing is, I mean, David Fafida, he, he played – 20 minutes of the game, probably, or maybe less than 20 minutes, maybe 15 minutes of the game. But he was on the treadmill for about five and a half hours, right? <laughs> and, the, I mean, the guy is fit enough now to 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 cycle the Tour de France, like, you know, <laughs> just on the treadmill. I'm like, get this guy on the field, <laughs> right? Like, you know, get this guy on the field, man. Like, you know, at the you know, last 10 minutes of every half, because – yeah, he's one of these players when, like, he comes in, you know, like, he, you know, and then within the first minute he's on the field, he ends up scoring a try, right? That's that's the, the kind of thing, that's the kind of uh, tactics he is. Now, the thing is, if you play him for 15 minutes, then he normally costs you a try by some sort of lapse, right? But get him in on short spurts here and there, and he's going to do well. So I feel like, uh, yeah, I think tactically, Tonga, they could have done some things to improve the scoreline. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, like with, with with getting some marquees in. But I think, yeah, I think they're going to hold a really good account for themselves. And, uh, yeah, right, at the moment, like they're probably scheduled to take take on Samoa in the uh, 
quarters, it's going to be a cracking game. But I'd give the edge over Tonga at the moment. All right. Look, uh, last tackle, we're going to go over our tips so far. Here we go. All right, so so far we've had seven games and uh, I got six out of the seven correct and you got three, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> so the lead that you have very carefully crafted during the NRL season has almost been whittled away. Wow. I am now on 159 points and you are on 159.5. Um, so, <laughs> so... Yeah, so let, let's just quickly go through the games and and uh, you know what what we uh, what we tipped. So obviously Group A, we both tipped Samoa. England won that one. I tipped France and uh, over Greece, and you did not. Um, we both tipped Australia over Fiji. I tipped Italy over Scotland, and you did not. I tipped Ireland over Jamaica, and you did not. And we both tipped New Zealand, and we both tipped Tonga. So, uh, so yeah, uh, it remains to be seen. Wales v Cook Islands is on tomorrow morning, uh, our time, and uh, it will be interesting because oh I've tipped okay. Wales and you have tipped Cook <laughs> Islands. Oh, no. All right, so I wonder what's going to happen. But look, look out of the uh, out of the home nations, out of the UK nations. Uh, obviously, England are the strongest and have been for a while. You know, there was a period where Wales was actually, you know. A close second, but there's been quite some time between that that point mm. and now. And I think Wales is, uh, mm. you know, I think th- they're in a battle for third um, with Scotland. I think it's fair to say Ireland are, are probably one of the stronger, uh, you know, competitors to England in, in the European scene. Um, but Wales, I don't know. I think they're a bit of an unknown quantity. Cook Islands, as you said earlier in the year, this is really the test because when they came up against Tonga, they actually fought pretty well. Uh, or, sorry, Tonga. Uh, yeah, Tonga. Um, and so it's hard to tell how they match up uh, unless you match them with a, a team of a similar quality. And I think it'll be a, a very good game, this one. But, yeah, definitely um, there is a spot, f- uh, you know, second spot in the division uh, in Group D. Uh, it will be between Wales, Cook Islands, and PNG, I think. Um, it remains to be seen. But, yeah, let's see how Wales perform. I still think that they'll perform very well. But, look, let's just talk about some of the games that are coming up uh, in the next seven days or so before our next uh, podcast. We have got uh, England v France coming up on uh, Sunday morning, our time here in Australia. Um then we've got, uh, so I think that's going to be a good one. Samoa versus Greece is uh, is an interesting one. Uh, so both of us have tipped England against France. Both of us have tipped Samoa against Greece. Oh, I should probably mention that I'm going over the tips that we made last week and we've locked them in, so we can't change them. Mm. <laughs> so I think let, what I'll do is I'll go through each one that's coming up and then I'll, I'll get your very quick views, Tish, on do you regret that tip? So we're not going to change it. I'm just going to ask you, do you regret England v. France? We both went for England. You happy with that? I'm happy. I'm happy. Samoa versus Greece. <laughs> Are you happy with that? I'm happy. I'm happy. Yeah, I'm happy too. I think they will bounce back. So I don't know who's not going to wear blue, right? 
Like it's uh, oh, that's going to be an interesting. That's right. It's going to be an interesting little uh, yeah setup there. Uh, the Group B matches upcoming are going to be Australia v Scotland. We both have tipped Australia. What do you think? Yeah, look, I think that's a no-brainer. <laughs> that's a no-brainer. This one's going to be an interesting one. It's uh, it's the Battle of Rugby League Republic, Italy versus Fiji. Uh, <laughs> I have tipped Italy. You have tipped Fiji. I'm going to stick with Italy. I think Italy will. Uh, surprise a few people. And I think the interesting thing here is that this is this is really the battle for second spot, isn't it, in this division? Uh, mm, I think do you do you regret do you still stick with Fiji? Yeah, look, I'm still sticking with Fiji. I think they they held it they had a good account for themselves against Australia despite the scoreline. All right. Um now moving on to group C. So we've got New Zealand versus Jamaica. Uh <laughs> I think it's fair oh, to okay. say New Zealand will win that one. That's a no-brainer. Okay. Um, this is an interesting one. Lebanon versus Ireland is going to happen on Monday morning, our time, the 25th. Um, we have both tipped Lebanon against Ireland, but Tish, based on what you've seen, would you do you regret that tip? Uh, no, no. Look, I mean, look, we've got Luke Kerry, right? So this is yeah, this is gonna be a great game, I think. So, but it will yeah, be a good one. I agree. Yeah, I, don't think, I don't think I'm regretting because I, I think both. I think unlike, I, I feel like both teams are going to stay like tight in defence. So I don't think it's going to be. Uh, so I think it's just going to go down to the to the halves, and I think, I think Lebanon showed a few tricks up their uh, sleeve, right with a couple of kicks and a couple of exciting little plays. So, yeah, I think Lebanon's going to have the creativity to take this one out. All right. And finally, Group D, as I said, we've got the uh, the remaining fixture in, I guess, Round 1, Wales and Cook Islands. Uh, yeah, I don't rec- – well, we don't know really what's going to happen, <laughs> so I think we'll find out. Um, but the following one is Tonga versus Wales. Uh, we both have tipped Tonga. I think it's fair to say that this, whatever we see out of Wales and Cook Islands, Tonga have shown enough that suggests to me that they're going to win this one regardless of how well Wales performs. So I'm, I'm happy with that. Um, and then the following one is uh, PNG versus Cook Islands. Um, uh, we both have picked PNG. So this will be an interesting one because Cook Islands may surprise a few people, but uh, look, I genuinely think on paper, based on what we've seen and what we know about how passionate this team is, um, uh, you know, and the fact that also in the game against Tonga, they didn't have uh, Xavier Coates. <laughs> uh, and was there someone else that's... Uh, I think Xavier Coates wasn't in there. Um, but, yeah, and I think... Uh, although Alex Johnson was. But, yeah, it's, Let's see what happens. Um, I don't know if Xavier Coates is going to come back. Is he injured or something? I'm not sure why he wasn't in the lineup. Yeah. Uh, but PNG, based on the passion that they show, I I think that they'll uh, they'll win that one. But yeah, do you? Uh, well, not having seen Cook Islands, do you do you think PNG is uh, is a certainty for that game? Yes. <laughs> okay. Nice and easy. <laughs> All right. I like it when I get an easy answer out of you. All right. Um, well, that's it for this podcast. I think that's uh, yeah. We're waiting for round two to to wrap up, and next week we'll we'll do the same. We'll look at uh, some highlights, some games, spotlight on some games, 
and uh, and progress the tournament. Look, it's been a bit underwhelming so far, I think it's fair mm. to say, the Rugby League World Cup. Uh, it, as I said, it started off with a bit of a whimper, um, you know, with the, the uh, outages and things not really starting on uh, on the front foot. Uh, reminded me a bit of uh, that 95, uh, you know, ARL grand final where the Optus Vision TV fell apart pre-grand final, if you remember that. Yeah. <laughs> it was a bit like that. I thought, oh, no, it's Optus Vision all over again. Uh, and uh, But, yeah, look, uh, I, I think it's only going to get better. I think as the tournament goes on, I think the focus will be on the games. The focus will be on those Tier 2 nations and how they're going to build through the tournament. I'm really looking forward to it, even though a few of the games in round one were blowouts. I think they're going to get a bit tighter as we go on, uh, which will make for a very interesting quarterfinals. And, uh, yeah, uh, looking forward to it. Tish, over to you to wrap this one up. Well, thank you, Dr. Tan. I'd like to thank everybody for listening. But that's all the time that we have for this edition of the Rugby League Republic. We're your hosts, Tish and Dr. T. Join us next time on the Rugby League Republic. Bye for now.